0: I am happy to be joined by my broadcast colleague. She does the Yukon Women's Games with Bob Joyce on WILI. But she's now the new Recreation Director for the Town of Wyndham. It's Debbie Fisk joining me today. The former Husky is now the Rec Director in Wyndham. Debbie, good to see you in my studio here today. Thanks for coming in. And, well, what's the first week, week and a half or so been for you here it's- in Wyndham?
1: Well, hello. This is exciting to be here. I see you in a different light, you know. Usually it's Gamble Pavilion or XL Center, but um, it's been or, a while. Or the
0: Final Four. Or the
1: Final Four, the that's picture, true.
0: The picture that's on our website right now, if you go to WILI.com, to our homepage, you'll see a picture of Weno and Debbie. And that was taken after the 2014 National Championship men's game. And weren't you going oh, right. back and forth the Final <laughs> Fours, and you flew in from the women's Final Four to that, and we partied much of the night after the championship.
1: That that is, you know what? That's one of my favorite all-time stories. You're right. That was uh, that was that was memorable. Nashville to Dallas, Dallas to Nashville, and both teams win a national title. How awesome is that? So, and it was fun. What a surprise when I said surprise, Wayno.
0: <laughs> that was it. And I, I, I did not know you were going to be there either. All right. All right. So now you're rec director in Wyndham, and tell me what your first week has been like.
1: It has been a whirlwind, uh, a good one in the sense of just getting familiar with a uh, beautiful facility that uh, excited to um, expand and, and see and, you know, programming and doing different things. But most importantly, it's just getting to know people, whether it's, you know, the town hall and administrators or people in the senior center. Uh, but even the community, it's been fun. You know, different faces that have come in, whether it's been for basketball or swim lessons, I've seen swim lessons was very fun, uh, a treat to see a uh, all ages, and, and kids just loving the swimming, uh, guaco aerobics, and then just community members. So my goal in the early going is to meet and greet, and you know, hopefully it becomes a, a two-way street where I would like to serve them. But, you know, it's good that you, you get to see what they want and, and feel. And so the hope is we both, you know, I get to meet a lot more people of the community and go from there.
0: Do you or will you wander over to that nice new basketball court at the new Community center, senior center, and maybe shoot a few hoops.
1: (laughs) I have to say, very um, enticing. So I have yet to actually shoot, but I've been in there, and I've been checking it out, and um, it's been interesting to me. So there is actually a group on Fridays. An older, they're the 55 plus Connecticut Women's Basketball, and so it's been a treat meeting them. Um, they have some great stories, and it's not just about those who have played in college or you know you know experience, but it's they're enticing getting women to might not have played, they do not even have the experience of playing in college, but getting them involved. So uh, talking to them, and I, when I say playing basketball, they're very talented. This one woman I met. Okay, I thought I would be the better ball handler. She's doing, you know, the two ball drills is going to town, crazy, you know, between her legs around her back, and I'm thinking, huh, I might be a little rusty. I'm going to have to practice to keep up with her. But in saying that, looking to, these are going to be role models, uh, looking to do programs that are going to be Girls and Women in Sports Day, and thought it's not just me who has that, you know, information to give to others, but there's people in this community who are very talented. So I'm looking to pull on, on their experiences and talents that, might be able to give back and be good role models for the community going forward. But that said, I don't want to just talk about that group. It's been the after-school open play, open gym. So it's the middle schoolers that come in and uh, even some high school kids there. And I had to, right now I'm kind of playing coy with them, but I kind of talked to them a little bit about, you know, they, they think, they say they have game and everything, so I'm looking forward to, like, kind of challenging them a little bit. I am eyeing them up, because I'm smart enough to know, don't go where you might not be able to, to to back it up, but I'm looking forward to playing a couple of them, a little bit of one-on-one shooting.
0: I'm guessing, growing up in Redland, Pennsylvania, being the rec director in Wyndham was pretty high on your bucket list on things you wanted to do.
1: <laughs> well, never would have guessed it so many years back. Very funny on that one. Yeah, you know, uh, not even thinking, you know, recreation in, in Wyndham, and, you know, yeah, UConn. What I, you know, we we've come to Willamantic, but never really seeing all that Wyndham is, you know. So it's been a, it's been one of those things where you hear it, you know, from a different perspective when you're a student athlete, and you know the the sights that you see. To now, well, I, um, it's been in, in, incredible what I'm hearing of all the wonderful things that are already established here and the traditions and some of the the fun things that I'm looking forward to be a part of and maybe pretend, potentially helping grow even more
0: is part of your job now as the rec director in Wyndham to get out and see not just the people you've talked about but see the facilities and see the parks and for that matter even the rail trails which i know every inch of around these parts but just so that you know exactly what you're working with
1: yes that has been one of the things and so you know talking to those looking for a tour i have you know was you know a little tour Hall lauder park uh, memorial park a couple um a rec park, you know, little ones, but I I do want exactly what you're saying, see everything because, you know, a lot of times, yes, you'll have programs at Lauder Park, but why not the whole Wyndham community, you know, to see that in different areas. So as we're trying to um, think outside the box a little bit to not just do what's always been in the tradition is to explore the community and get little different niches that might be perfect for that park or that little venue to do some programming.
0: You had been involved in administration. You even coached for five years at St. Joseph's College in Hartford, and you were the athletic director at Kingswood-Oxford School, associate athletic director at University of St. Joseph as well. When did becoming a recreation director, like you were for two years in Columbia before coming here, when did you—it's almost like a career change path for you.
1: Yes. You know, um, it's always been— you know, higher education for the most part in the early going, and and I enjoyed that. It was you know college athletics, and uh, then even at as you said, Kingswood Oxford, and loved it, and and churned it out, and you just do it, and it's it fun working with student athletes, whether it's the high school range or the college range, and so enjoyed that, and love seeing that growth in the people in the community that you're working with, but honestly, it was. It was, you know, everybody says like COVID, it seems like, you know, if you, the blip front, you know, if you watch Avengers fan or anything, it's like, oh, the COVID year. And it was when things slowed down that I really... You get off the hamster wheel, so to speak, because you just did it. You were going 20,000 miles an hour. And when I have um, children that I'm seeing everybody else's games and, and competitions and I was missing, you know, they were getting reaching that age where they're kind of getting to the point where I didn't want to miss their games and their meets and some of those things. And so with college athletics and at a lot of times you're there 24-7 it's seven days a week and you you're missing a lot of their events so it was the combination between that and some family and some different health issues that came down the road that I was like you know what i need to find a little bit more work-life balance of something and uh just kind of looked for you know what's out there that still i can get passionate about and love to do and um it became you know it just happened to come my way some opportunity for recreation And it's very similar because I did it at St. Joseph and you're still involved with, you know, recreation, but uh, it's been fun. I loved it. Columbia was so good to me. I loved that experience. Um, the people in the community, and it really actually made me fall in love more with the idea of parks and recreation. Uh, but good people of Wyndham, they enticed me, I did, uh, you know. Knowing know probably helped a little bit too. Uh, but I loved the opportunity of what could be here. There's so many possibilities. Facilities have endless opportunity. So it drew me in, you know, I'm excited about what can be here.
0: Back me up to your Columbia years. Couple of years Rec Director in Columbia. Perhaps some of the highlights of your tenure there and maybe things that you brought to the table they didn't have before you were in charge in Columbia.
1: Okay. Uh, well, you know, one thing um, that they had started originally was a winter wonderland. And, you know, it was it was fine, I know, but it was one of those things where we wanted to do more than just see lights at Rick Park. And um, so what I think one thing is similar to what I know is here in Wyndham is we, you know we had a I was actually an L I would dress up as L we had mr. You know, Santa Claus come on you know fire engine and everything um, and we had cookies cocoa uh, we'd dig arts and crafts now this was in freezing cold temps. so luckily mother nature cooperated in that you know we were able to have it but um, I for two weeks I was the one that was out there putting up lights and coming you know putting different things along there and from there we would do programs in the winter that you know would be you know Valentine's Day stroll but we would have scavenger hunts in the park and, um, and Valentine's Day stroll didn't mean it have to, you know, didn't have to be with your, your sweetheart. It could have been with your doggy sweetheart, or you know, your family or your kids. And we or would somebody
0: do, else's sweetheart. Somebody
1: else's oh. sweetheart. <laughs> 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 and you know, we would do scavenger hunts along there. So we would, you know, it was the opportunity for people to get outdoors in the wintertime, but with little challenges for games. And um, what was fun about it is we had kids enjoying it. You know, kids uh, from the youngins to, um, we had grandparents coming along and doing it, but the idea was it was, we would use that lights that we worked so hard for, What from, you know, a January uh, Valentine's Day, we did a St. Patty's Day, you know, fun thing from there. Uh, but it carried over to where we had a, which I thought was really fun and introducing it to Columbia was a girls in sports day. And I look forward, I really want to do this for Wyndham next year. Um, And that's the opportunity where we brought in, we collaborated with a student athletes at the high school and college level who would come in and it's about teaching girls, you know, Yes, they might be exposed to basketball, but they've never picked up a lacrosse stick or a softball or a soccer ball or just to get introduce them and talk about a little bit of Title IX and appreciation for where athletics is today or opportunities for young women.
0: Speaking um, of getting people outdoors in the winter, I think yes. it was the last thing that you did as rec director in Columbia was the Polar Plunge in Columbia Lake. And ironically, one of the very first things that'll be going on in your tenure here at Wyndham as the Rec Director is the plunge for hunger in the Natchaug River coming up this Saturday. Tell me about your polar plunge wow. at Columbia Lake.
1: Thank you. Um, well, you the, didn't the, plunge, right? I did not plunge. Well, you know, here's the thing. It, talk about Mother Nature can, can get in the way of you. Um, we hadn't had that. The lake has not freeze. This is for Columbia Lake. has not frozen. From what I'm told, you know, for at least the last three, four years, it hadn't last, you know, the year there. And it hadn't all week, but if you recall, it was the cold weather that came in, the frigidness, and uh, the fire department who was going to be, you know, said no problem, don't worry about it. It'll be a little bit of ice. We'll be able to cut the lake if it happens. You know, we were, that was Friday when, you know, I left work, and Saturday morning we come in and it's pretty darn thick and cut close. So intent was we didn't get to the fire company. The department was more of a, about safety and some ice fishermen. So long story short, we had a phenomenal, it was great, the idea was to plunge, but we had, um, this is the first time ever doing something like that in Columbia, we had uh, over 50 participants, I, and there was a swim team, uh, they were these young girls in swimsuits that were ready to do the plunge, but we had what we did was, um, we had ice angel, we did snow angels, um, we did all kinds of like, you know, you slide on your belly across the lake. So we did some polar sliding. Um, but it was the idea was to raise money for Tide Cancer Foundation. And um, it's a wonderful, um, small, you know, mom and pop grown group that is for women in Connecticut that are going through cancer treatments. And so they do care packages. And uh, we had... The bonfire. We had cocoa and hot chocolate, toasting marshmallows uh, in raffle baskets. So it was just a fun afternoon. And what I was impressed me about the people was as much as they were disappointed they couldn't plunge, fall in, and we had a very good time in the freezing cold together. And it was really a nice community uh, outreach program.
0: Speaking of the tide cancer cancer foundation and cancer in general, it's a special day for you and many others coming up this Sunday when the Yukon women have their Think Pink Game, the Play for K Pink Game, when St. John's plays at Gamble at 3 o'clock. Tell us your story about how cancer has affected your life.
1: Yes. Uh, you know one of those things where you say you never think it'll affect you or somebody you love and so it hit home to me personally um just on a regular checkup not one of those things you're expecting anything to come your way that you would be diagnosed with breast cancer you're feeling uh, healthiest and greatest you know through your your life and feeling in a good place and you get that call from the doctor that says sorry to tell you bam you know you have cancer and so um that was a a shock to me and my family. And it was one of those things where you're, you know, you figure, okay, what's, what are the next steps and how to go through that? So I was very fortunate. They caught it early. I was able to go through treatments, had wonderful, you know, family support and people and friends and everything. So, um, my story ends really well, still continuing to do those checkups because you still have to, you know, go through avenues to make sure that, you know, it stays away. But, um, that's, Even more, I've always been a part of doing programs for our Play for K. We've had, you know, when I was at St. Joe's and KO, we would always do those, you know, whether it was October, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month or if it was for Play for K. And you'd always would be a big proponent of it and you would, uh, you know, about their raising notice and funds. But it's amazing how when it actually hits home to yourself that you're like whoa, the woe effect and like, all right, um, it does hit closer to home. And you, you really want to try to spread that word to others to, to be there and supportive in whatever fashion it is, whether it's monetary or giving your time or giving back to, to those who, you know, help, help a family. Because one way or another, probably all of us somebody we know has been affected one way or the other.
0: So that's a big game coming up on Sunday at Gamble Pavilion. Debbie, as you sit courtside with Bob Joyce broadcasting UConn women's basketball home and away, and you see Paige Beckers wearing number five. Does that number five mean anything to you? <laughs>
1: I love number five yeah that's my favorite number number i played in um like to say you know i represented it really well in the early days however <laughs> number five has taken a whole new level of talent so you know i think most people remember five and page backers and will not go back to remembering me as number five but uh, very some special. of us will I, you know what i have to say i have met there's some wonderful people. Coming through, whether it's been you know Columbia here in Wyndham, and they're like, I remember when, and they'll tell me the story, and I'm like, Wow, you really are a longtime fan, <laughs> and it's been fun. So there are some. I mean, we're we're getting further distanced, but
0: who else wore number five at UConn? Because that number had a resonate because that's the number you wore. It's not just yeah. Paige. Yeah. Everybody else.
1: Well, I it was Kim Better, right? If she was Kim there. Better
0: was one of them. Okay. Maria Conlon.
1: Conlin, Conlin Carolyn which was a shooter. Doty,
0: Crystal Dangerfield.
1: Okay, so I w- actually, I can't believe I didn't remember Dangerfield because I loved, you know, Crystal the little, uh, you know, Spitfire. Um, but Caroline Doy too, because I know that was one of Bob Joyce's favorites, so he always let me know that.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't retire number 5 after you were done playing. Right?
1: I mean, come on. The Should be up for the prowess, Raptors, the whole know? thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, in your career at UConn, you averaged three points a game, two rebounds a <laughs> game, 3.5 assists per game. And by the way, how many of those assists per game came to... Oh, maybe the big inside there,
1: Carrie Bascom. Carrie Bascom.
0: At time for a long time, she was the career scoring leader at UConn.
1: Yeah, she was our first All American, and you know it's funny that our team, if um, you know, when we were when you know early years of Geno's career in recruiting, you know, you looked at us and, you know, our starting five, we were not intimidating. And even Carrie Bascom, who was our, our, you know, became our All-American and do it very talented. But again, she stopped at six foot, uh, six one. So it wasn't that we had any, you know, massive height in there. But for somehow, I think, you know, Gino uh, knew how to, he had, each of us had our roles. And again, you could, my numbers are not impressive. You know, I was a starting point guy for four years because he said, this is what I want you to do. You get the ball to the All-American down low. You get to the great shooter on your left or Laura Lishness on your right, and that's your role. You play great defense and find a way, you know. And my option was, if there's five seconds on the shot clock, you're allowed to shoot. (laughs) So I understood my role, and we were a unit. That's for sure. We didn't have any stars. And so um, those good old days, and even – I think Gino Arima, uh, he'll love his many, many very talented and national championships. But what's fun about it is he always will say, but you know, you never will take away those early days when we were, we were just doing the first, first Big East championship, first final four.
0: It's Debbie Fisk, who is, I think your second week now of being recreation director in Wyndham. You realize, Debbie, with this job that you will no longer get the 4th of July off? I heard. Have people told you that?
1: I, I, that quickly was told that. I was a little like, what? But hey, when I know that it's about the boombox parade and Wayne Norman, who, uh, part of that tradition that started, what, 1986? 86. I'm actually, I'm, uh, looking forward to, to see what it's all about, to actually see it in person. I've heard about it. So I was quickly, you know, they tell you, I just, one of the things when they're enticing you and saying, oh, these, you know, the holidays you get off, well, that was, on one there was listed. They misled me, but it's a fun one, so I'm okay with it.
0: (laughs) Well, I have to admit that one thing that makes the thing work as well as it does is the cooperation and organization of the rec department. They got involved three or four years into it, and they really make a big difference. So now I'm putting pressure on your shoulders to that. But before that, we got another event that nobody else does. Romantic willamantic Cupid. Now, what have you heard about that being out of Red Lion, Pennsylvania?
1: <laughs> I, this is I go. What very cool. I'm all about love and romance, you know. So hey, romantic willamantic, <laughs> I am. You're a woman, <laughs> and saying that, I first hear it. You, the first Cupid. That's what the history tells me, and uh, I'm looking forward again to seeing the. So I'm getting I'm quickly with it. Just right around the corner. Quickly getting caught up on it, and excited to actually see it come to fruition. But. Uh, I Hopefully, your listeners and everybody out there has been getting in those nominations. We're looking for nominations for Cupid, somebody who has given back to the community and, and somebody that worthwhile to, to follow in the Wayne Norman footsteps of that first Cupid. So I heard that's going on there. And then eventually soon, um, you know, uh, on valentine's day that cupid for 2024 will be announced and uh, i look i would i'm curious to again another way for me to meet some community members and i will be tapping into this cupid to say hey let's work together to make some more when i got in,
0: in 82 debbie they said it was going to someone who does a lot to promote the positive image of wyndham they don't say that generally as much but i've stuck on that and to be honest that's me I, I, I'm all about promoting a positive image of wisdom. And whoever gets it this year, and I'm not involved in that selection process, boy, do I get that question a lot, but no, I'm not. Uh, the, I'm sure there'll be someone like that. But Cupid is not the only thing going on with Valentine's Day. What else you got lined up for Valentine's Fun Day?
1: Yes, so, you know, that's a, a more, I would say, probably to the adult community is the Cupid and and, and who that comes about. So uh, one of my first undertakings is let's make a, a fun day for The younger group, or maybe you know, not as experienced, we'll call it that way. But for age school kids, so that elementary, middle school, even high school kids that went, we're going to have a Valentine's Day fun day, and it's from two thirty to five thirty at the community center. So I'm looking forward to it because uh, we're going to that a lot of activity, not just. The athletic side of it, so but we will be having the open gym space where we're going to be doing uh, some games and competitions that will be shootout. It's a money game. It's a shooting contest in there. We'll be having relay races that are creative relay races that I think a lot of uh, the kids are going to be enjoying ha- taking that on, uh, and prizes, award. Everybody likes to you know have some fun prizes. But we'll also be having cookie decorating, some arts and crafts. We have some fun things lined up there. Uh, there is going to be a heart hunt, so it's a, a little twist of going all around the community center to uh, find these hearts that are with um, some enticement to the kind of things that you will win and prizes along there and um, a little bit of everything so with that uh, just a fun uh, three hours that you can come and go as you please It doesn't have to be start to finish but I think there is really gonna be somebody something for everyone and if parents have a younger child that they want to bring to the arts and crafts or do something along there the more the merrier we wanna have a, a fun Pub, I say bubbling activity going on to feel the love in Romantic well, romantic
0: On Valentine's Day. On this Valentine's is at the Community Day. Center. At
1: the Community Center.
0: You have a survey coming out. What will you be asking?
1: And I'm glad you brought that up. And so I thought, you know, best for me to get feedback on what has truly been a favorite. What have community members liked? And first specifically starting about the community center. So going to be asking, you know, ha, you know, what programs have you liked? What have you participated in? What have you liked? What have you disliked? Then um, there's going to be, there's a section that's truly like, what would you be interested in? So, you know, it's going to be, you know, is it bike riding? It doesn't even have to be that at that community center. So it's in, you know, we talked about the, the airline trails and some of those things and the different parks. So it's going to be some things that, uh, you know, what we don't do or we haven't done, and you really are interested in doing. So it's about getting feedback of, you know, really what do you think out there? And then, two, it's also going to be about the facility currently. Um, do the hours work for you? And um, would you like, you know, how do you, you know, what things would you like to see? It doesn't mean that we promise that that will happen, but we really want to get the feedback to see where to go. So I thought it was a good time as a new rec director coming in to get that feedback from the community. And I would love everybody and anybody to really fill that out because we were trying to get. That feedback. There will be an open ended part at the end which says, Anything else you want to tell me? Because this is that time um, to get ideas out there. And I also have a section that says, If you have a talent that you would like to bring to the recreation department and you don't mind being contacted, let what is it? And contact me or reach out and come visit me in person. Love to meet you.
0: I don't want to cross the line here, but I see this on social media in the wintertime a couple of times. But you know, back in the old days, they would flood. Rec Park. That area where the softball diamonds are is lower than the average terrain elsewhere, like baseball and soccer and so forth. And people would skate. And like 100 years ago, or maybe 50 years ago, there'd be ice skating going on in the wintertime at Rec Park. They haven't done that. I don't think they've done that since I've worked here. But I still get people remembering that. Thinking about it, I don't know what the downside is about what that means for public works and what that means for the the terrain where they're going to play softball once the weather warms up, but I'll bet you're going to be hearing people. Oh. And now I've just fanned the yes. flames and I've given people an idea. <laughs> but So how do they get the survey? Is it mailed? Is it something that they get to email? Is it something they voluntarily submit?
1: Oh, wonderful. Okay. You're, you're on a roll here Help, helping me out. So it will be on the website and it will be in... Spanish and English do the availability so you don't have to worry about like trying to figure out my handwriting or something, you know, along there. Uh, we will have it on our social media, which will be our Instagram and Facebook. Um, just ramping that up because there's been some glitches in that so we'll get better at, you know, spreading the word out there. There will be, um, if you come into the community center, we'll have, uh, you know, that QR code that you can just put your phone over it and you can do it that way. Um, so we're trying to hit different avenues along there. So if you have other suggestions for me on that way, we you know will uh, welcome how to spread that word and get it out there for others to take a look and respond.
0: Now the Wyndham Rec Department has a Facebook page. I see it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Who updates that now? Is that you're doing?
1: Well, it has been kind of um, you know I, it didn't act just because there's been you know and uh, a period of no one at the rec center. So that changing and so that will be me. I will also have once we get it going. It seems um, glitches. You know when you have transition that my email doesn't work with something and this and that so we're kind of getting those glitches out of there but i think you will also see that get revved up a lot more because we you know what what's happening and what's going on even if it's not about a new event coming up that here's what's going on and come see us and enjoy
0: so now when there's a Yukon Women's home game at Gample on a weekday do you just leave the Wyndham Community Center and go right up 195 and go right to work with Bob Joyce? Is that how that works?
1: You're exactly right. So <laughs> that's, I go, not too bad. And so, you know, get to put a little more, you know, a couple more hours in until game time. But on Saturday, I actually did that. It was a late game, if you recall, like the Notre Dame game. Boo. But uh, in saying that... Um,
0: Less you, said about that game, the better.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Moving on from that. But that, you know, uh, came on Saturday. Just, it was fun just to see the... Uh, opportunity that I was actually got to see some of the the rec hoop, youth hoops going on and different things but that was I took opportunity of that I said all right well you know what we'll kind of you know work through that and then head up to to Gamble Pavilion.
0: Yeah, you know, let me ask about that Notre Dame game. Uh, from a standpoint of the big picture with Yukon women's basketball that when you get a clunker like that you got to talk people off the ledge. People are going, "Oh my god." But the fact that there are so few of those clunkers. I'm talking 30 plus years since Gino's been the coach there. What does that say about the program, that, that, that it got the attention because it rarely happens?
1: Exactly. that That's the bottom line. And, you know, early on in the season, you know, the, the three losses and people were having a, a conniption. But they were the top five teams in, in the country at, at one point. So you're losing to top-notch programs that— you know, you come with the injuries and different things weren't, weren't quite matching up. They, you know, there's just certain things that you know it's all right in the big picture. And it, early, it's November, it's December, it's not a big deal. But The Notre Dame game, it was nice that they had that kind. Of, the atmosphere, awesome at Gamble Pavilion. I mean, every not just the every says the student section, it was the whole place rocking. So way to go, fans! Uh, it was definitely a sixth man in there, and they they tried to will it. You know, they they got the the women to come back and put a good force on, but in the end, you know, Notre Dame just. They did everything they had to do. You had the, the talented Hidalgo freshman, and um, they had the the answers that UConn didn't quite have. But again, as you're saying, it's a measuring stick, and it's in January. So uh, if you remember back in history, and I know you're very good with that, but there was a time where uh, you know, year UConn lost three games to Notre Dame in one season, and they ended up going on and they won more, lost more games, but those three games, and went on to win a national title. So. You never know.
0: Now, even though the Huskies shorthanded this year because of the five players that are out with injuries or so, you can speak to this, what a master motivator, Gino, is. He has a knack, among other things, of being able to turn a negative into a positive. What will he do with this team based on what happened on Saturday night to make sure that that doesn't happen again down the road?
1: Right, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It's amazing how... Adapt, adjust, tinker, push buttons. That's not even basketball-minded. Yeah, I or, or should basketball X's nose. It is about the the mental mindset and how you know. There's been said at times where you know he's he's hammering you, hammering you, hammering you, but then he knows the right times to build you up, build you up, build you up. And so I suspect you know he's going to go at him a little bit in saying because they're in the stretch of some Big East games and knowing you can you know saying like going against Xavier or anything where you know the mistakes you make they. They don't expose your weaknesses. So he's going to be going at what those weaknesses are and say what's acceptable. You know, we're not going to settle to just get the W for these games. He's always wanting to get more out of it. But I think he'll be doing the the mentality of we're okay. I This is what we – I know what we need to do. We've been here and done that. So you're going to put in – if you're willing to – I think he always – his thing is like – I'm going to tell you what we need to do. This is what we're going to do. And we can get where we need to go if you're ready, if you're ready to take us on. And a lot of times it's uh, it's the way he goes about it or it's just certain things that he does that, you know, for the most part, you're responding or maybe you're not buying into UConn basketball.
0: You know, Debbie, I gave your career stats earlier and they don't blow your doors off, but I did not finish the topic and you are still number eight on the career steals list, 275, Nikisha Sales, number one at 447, but... When you graduated, you were number one. You were the career steals leader at UConn. You were number three on the freshman single season steals record, number 10 on the senior single season steals record. And again, when you left, you were number one in both those categories. So there's the equal time that we talked about earlier. (laughs) Now, you were the point guard on the first Final Four team at UConn. What are your memories about that season and memories about that NCAA tournament with the trip to the Final Four in New Orleans?
1: Ah, you know what? So much fun and to the point where, you know, we were we were just, I think when you're in it, it was like, not that it wasn't a big deal, you're excited about it, but you didn't truly understand the accomplishment because, you know, Coach Ariema was just saying, okay, we, we're going to win the Big East. We have to win the big east tournament so that's our automatic bid then we're going to go and do like he. this is what you do this is how you're going to do it well, okay here we go and we would just follow and do it i think because the naivety we were you know the idea of like okay it's what we do and then when you actually win that elite eight game that i don't know if he really i mean we were just kind of like he told us okay we'll do it you know, that's the upset of uh, NC State was in there and a couple of there's that.
0: Elite we were, Eight game was Clemson. Uh,
1: Clemson was that. Was NC State before that, I think?
0: Yeah, that was the Sweet 16.
1: 16. And it was that we had, I think most people, again, you look at our lineup, they, don't, they had no expectation of UConn getting to that Final Four, but the ride was fun. It was first for everything, and we were enjoying it. I think we, you know, you don't feel pressure, but when you get to that Final Four, you know, it was more of, wow, we did this, and I think mentality is now good or bad for the current players it's like yes yeah, so what you got to the final four it's all about winning championships but our experience and i think coach Emma will say to this day you know that the raw beauty of, of a first time and media following us i mean now it's you know it's not a big deal it's you know espn and everybody they're all over the place but for us we can't we're walking down bourbon street and there's cameras following us wanting to know you know what do you think of the game or what are you taking in the atmosphere and doing that and so um it was a little different yes we had a game or two on nesson or those things but we hadn't really had that national recognition and that was the first time
0: and then in the final four we lost to virginia which is a top seed 61 to 55 and then virginia lost to tennessee in overtime for the title but that virginia team featured Don staley now the head coach of number one south carolina and current uconn assistant coach tanya cardoza do you ever talk about that with Tanya about how they beat you in the final four? Yeah,
1: and you know, um, and I think, well, at different times, because we'll have some reunions or, you know, some, you know, you kind of, the, the old timers get to go back and we have some fun together. And we're always, I think even Gina said this, like, we realized too late, oh, wow, we could win this game. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, you know, we, should, you know, all of a sudden there. And it was a two point game with, you know, under a minute to go before it was one of those, uh, errant wasn't my pass by the way cross you know simple cross-court passes that con- tanya cardoza steps in front and goes in for an easy layup and all of a sudden it's a four-point game and you gotta you know you foul and everything but um i say how do you bring back the enemy right i mean that i chance that to go to to onto the championship game but uh i think tanya just laughs it off and you know she has has fun with it but um it's always how we talk about i carry Baskin will tell the story because she picked up our you know our all-american our, our best player and gets two you know a row crazy fouls called in way back you know the 90-foot mark at the other end and you know just we're like what the heck so we have certain officials we talk about we don't like who are still roughing today and, <laughs> but that's just you know the reminiscent of when we get together we're like yeah you know telling stories and everything but <coughs> I did have a, a good defensive presence during that game. That was my role, I have to say. It. As
0: you so, did in your entire career. And one of the better players on that 91 UConn Women's Final Four team was Meg Patterson. Meg Kulmo, who does now the color for SNY television broadcast for UConn, And the point guard on that team, Debbie Fisk, does color with Bob Joyce on the radio broadcast for UConn. So there's a lot of presence of that 91 Final Four team. We didn't mention the first NCAA game that year when UConn, the three seed, knocked off the 11 seed Toledo 81-80. In women's basketball lore at UConn, that game is legendary. Tell the people why.
1: Well, let's just say um, say we went to the Final Four but almost lost that game. It went down to the wire there, and it it was uh, one of those... The questionable, how what's going on? But Kerry Bascom, our All American, and at the time, failed us out with a cr- crazy heroic, from the corner of Mrs. Gamble Pavilion, um, last second shot and. The intent that they were almost going to call a foul right there, like it was you know it was seconds before that would have put Toledo on the foul line. But um, it was uh, we always say thank God for carry and um, advanced. But how crazy that could have been eliminated at home in the early going that first round of the NCAA tournament and then where does the team that ends up going all the way to the final four so kind of funny uh you know when you look at the big picture
0: speaking of at home that was the second year that the basketball teams men and women played at Gamble. you began your career playing games at the Fieldhouse. what was it like for you and your teammates to play at Gamble, especially that first game against georgetown
1: you know it, it, it was a little bit of the uh factor so when you know you you were being recruited. They were telling you about Gamble Pavilion. It's being built and everything. And it wasn't. That's not what I think. You know, at that in those days, it wasn't that facility that drew you. It was really Coach Ariyama that could, that convinced me to say I want to go to stores because, as we all know, back then they're you know uh, stores look quite different uh, <laughs> as it does uh, to today. But. Um, it was fun. You liked playing in the field house because you did, you know, technically didn't know any better. But, you know, it was the floor that during practices, we had the curtains drawn around and you could hear out, you know, the indoor track running around there and other bouncing balls and everything. So you had to focus in on Coach Ariyama. Not that you'd have difficulty in that because he drew you in whether, you know, you wanted to pay attention or not. But in that, when we were able to move over my sophomore year to gamble, um, you know, the yeah, all of a sudden you're like, wow, the lavishness of the locker room, which compared to today is not lavish, but it was lavish <laughs> then. Uh, and then the play in, in that in Gamble, uh, it was it was a pretty aweing, you know, effect on that the first game, just because the lights, the stay everything just right on top of you, and it was definitely uh, what we. I think for us it was uh, exciting. You know, it was just part of the step, and one that it seems that. Um, was the right move for, you know, UConn so far? From what I hear, there was a long time that they were waiting for a Gamble Pavilion.
0: And here's the theory I have about how the women's program grew. They finished Gamble. Everybody on the planet wants to see this new arena on campus. And they came to the first men's game, which the anniversary of which was last weekend. And UConn had a great win over St. John's and so forth. But the games are all sold out. The women's games weren't back then. You weren't getting that kind of crowd. But people wanted to see the arena they couldn't get to a men's game. They bought tickets for a women's game, and Gino had the product. He had the team, he had the players, especially Kerry Baskin, but there's that Debbie Bear number five that we <laughs> talked about. And, and they liked what they saw, and they came back. And I think from 90 on, because of Gamble and because of the product on the court, The women's program drew bigger crowds, eventually getting a sellout. And now, of course, those are quite common here. But was it crazy for you, especially in your last year there, to play before these crowds you'd never seen before earlier in your career?
1: Yes. You know, what I remember, I think a lot of us was You know, we win the Big East Championship. We went to the NCAA tournament freshman year, get knocked out, you know, by South. Then you go sophomore, you know, we were winning Big East Championships. It it was that way, but it was, you're getting to that Final Four. But it was the year, I think, it was our junior year. Not that anybody knew we were going to go to the Final Four, but it was um, an hour, we always get there an hour and a half before game time, you know, and you win. So all of a sudden, like that junior year he says that the magic caught and people were really into it and and they wanted then you know you could get in there early and you could get the lower bowl it wasn't that you had you know you had that assigned seat and you got moved up to the rafters you know it was and i say rafters meeting it's not that high in gamble pavilion but um there were fans lined up outside before the players got there now we never saw that so that was the first wait a minute, what? What are they doing here? And so we go in, change the uniform, we're going out for shoot-around, and there's fans in the building. So that was the first time, I think, when you realized, whoa, there's actually, you know, yes, you had your regular fans, but it was growing and the interest and people were coming to see. And then, of course, as you win and you go to the Final Four, the next year it became a little bit more common. Again, not the sellout crazy that they have on a regular basis now, but that was kind of when you saw fans the game growing and that fans starting to follow the women and not just the men
0: debbie these days bleeds blue like she did back then but how close did you come to bleeding orange yeah.
1: <laughs> well you know what i always said i am like if gino was at syracuse i would have been in syracuse i really um i love the visit um, of course they had that, you know, They everybody knows how to make it a great weekend when you go, and it was a, a you know, the Carrier Dome and humongous football game, and so, you know, you get caught up in that, and they, they you know, wine and dine you and everything. There's a really good Italian restaurant up there that's really good. Yeah. Um, Gio- not Giovanni's, but was, I forget that one, but uh, a Girardi. Grimaldi's. There, thank you. That was it. And, uh, Been there first, many times. It's very tasty. I don't know if it still is, but the, you know. They got
0: the chop house and they got the Italian place. There's, there's okay. a couple of them in town there, and that's, that's a must that's, do when you're in Syracuse. There you go.
1: So, um, but in saying that, and, um, you know, it was, you know, I say it very close, but it was, it was Gino Ariema. And again, their facilities at that time, Compare it to there, and people are like, "Why do you want to go to UConn?" Because they weren't on the map. The men didn't even win the NIT yet when I it was my recruit you know, year, and so I, I you know, as a, a high school senior, and I wanted to sign early, and I choose UConn, and I, you know, I'm at lunch, in my my lunchroom in Red Lion, Pennsylvania, and somebody's like, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "UConn," you know, Yukon They're like, "UConn," I'm like, "Why would you want to go there?" And I'm like, "Well, it's in the Big East, and you know, for my family, you know, Georgetown, Villanova, all these games are close by," and they're like. Yu Big East that why would you want they, they thought it was why and that's how down you know in Pennsylvania there they're like you're going to Alaska they didn't know where you know <laughs> you're going to the Yukon so no 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 and I had to spell out u-c-o-n-n and uh then that that uh, season you know as I would already assigned and everything, the men win the NIT and that, you know, it kind of got people like, oh, you know, UConn on the map and women win the Big East, you know, the men were almost, you know, getting, you know, that prominence in some of those exciting games against Duke in those early, those early years before they got over the summit. So uh, it was, you know, what I, it was fun. And so many, you always say different paths, you know, life could have taken you. And, um the fact that you know it chose Stores Connecticut, uh I haven't looked back. It's been an awesome experience. The state of Connecticut has been good to me and I've enjoyed it.
0: Well, speaking of path not taken, how would your life have been different? had you stayed in gymnastics
1: Oh my goodness you have gone back you've done your homework Wayne Norman <laughs> You know I I was a, I love gymnastics I you know, that was the, I actually thought I'd be going to Nebraska on a gymnastics scholarship like because that was you know big time gymnastics and and now there's many you know LSU and many other colleges out there but um I loved it and uh, yeah how different would have it I don't know and uh But my sister is the one who was playing, you know, high school freshman basketball going out for the team, and she and my dad would be shooting around the driveway, and I wanted to be included. I didn't want to be left out and kind of liked the sport. And, uh, you know, the next thing you know... um, caught the fever of basketball and it was so funny my dad when we was telling my coach because it was you know I, I trained I was six days a week I was a serious you know I got to the point where I was at that that breaking point whether you you know go away from home or you stay put and what you're figuring and telling he's like well you know he thought I would, my dad always, like, she'd make a great receiver, a wide receiver. Because he was, I was like the boy that, you know, we never had, my sister and I. But um, it was more of a love in the action and, you know, different sports that you could do with it. And so it became basketball. And who, I never would have, at that time, loved it. Never would have thought, oh, I'm going to go UConn on a basketball scholarship.
0: And maybe if you stay in gymnastics, you're not rec director in Wyndham now. That's
1: a good point. That? That, that's, that's right. So another, how about that, where those stars pass?
0: Another the road not taken. Now, yeah. you you had told me something yesterday about how you couldn't go to some of the festivities with the uh, 2000, what was it, 2004 team and the 2013 team Correct. that they honored uh, at Gample at the Notre Dame game because you had a family responsibility involving your kids, tell me about your kids and what they do athletically now, or are they following in mom's uh, or dad's footsteps?
1: That's right. Well, uh, that was you know my my youngest Jackson. Um, he actually had a basketball game. He actually it's funny. He he's a he loves basketball. It's he's a humongous Celtics fan. Um, so. He's on the uh, the smaller side, and I'm like, hey, you know, I've always been the the smaller, you know, the smaller one when you're when you go into the basketball arena. But uh, so he loves it, uh, humongous fan. But he has found success in cross country, track and field. So he does indoor track. So he's been able to do it because of the season and how he's going that route. But um, he loves to play basketball too. So he picks up wreck basketball with Glastonbury, and I would love to see him out there because he is he's the the feisty, you know, the little guy that just like is all over and defends and goes in with rebounds and. You know, even though he's going among the trees, so he's—it's a fun level. It's not you know that when you have like you know um, when like a conference on the title line or anything. But we were
0: number five. You know, like when
1: <laughs> so he has a choice. So I, you say about the number. My daughter, who is a basket, she will. She played basketball. She was big time soccer, and now into field hockey is the root. Is funny how soccer was gonna. You know, soccer's her root for college and. Um, through a covid whole covid story where you know you couldn't play high school sport everything was kind of array and so as a freshman I said just go play she was playing for Oakwood couldn't you couldn't play high school soccer because of the rules and everything so just play a sport so you can get involved in your your high school and I figured you know Volleyball or just something that you could get started well her freshman year she goes out and you know makes the varsity field hockey team and we were balancing trying to play soccer and field hockey in the same season but the fact is she fell in love with it and now that's her her route where she's you know going a different direction but I bring up the number because well she wants you know five because of mom Dad was, uh, you know, number 10 with soccer. He played at UConn. And so she now is number 15 because she wants to pay. It like that way it works for both mom and dad. So there we go. We get the five in there.
0: And let's um, wrap things up by talking about dad, who was a soccer player at UConn. But you guys weren't dating at the time. You are both playing. So how would that come about?
1: I know, right? It's kind of weird. I, I told him, you know. If you could have met earlier, you would have saved me a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> but it's saying that, and he insists no. You know, as we say, timing is everything, right? But um, it was post—he was finishing up his master's degree, and it was through it was through friends. It was a homecoming weekend after you know, way past our graduation, our graduation years. You just knocked and over her
0: water I mug did, there. Oh
1: my goodness! And
0: uh, we got paper towels. We,
1: thank goodness, and I'm glad there was any electrical equipment here. But it was kind of fun. It's through uh, through various uh, friends, and you know, you connect afterwards. Uh, you UConn Connections. So we are the Yukon, uh, you know, you, there's things they send out about if you have connections and romance through Yukon. There you go.
0: Torfis, good soccer player at the University of Connecticut. And good job marrying Debbie Bear, <laughs> the pride of Red Lion, Pennsylvania. Now the recreation director in the town of Wyndham. Debbie, this was tons of fun. Thanks for coming in. And now you can just walk across the street and go to work.
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Debbie Fisk, our guest this morning on 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.